Constructive Voices, the podcast for the construction people with news, views and expert interviews. Hi and welcome to Constructive Voices, the last episode of 2022 as we head into the holidays, Christmas and New Year. And wherever you're listening in the world, I hope you get a chance to have a fantastic break. But before we finish, Peter Finn, Pete the Builder and I are going to look back at some of the many episodes that we've brought you throughout this year. Constructive Voices media partner in Ireland and the United Kingdom is Construction Industry News. Since 2002, Construction Industry News has been focused on the very latest projects and developments within the UK and Ireland. So Pete, we're here we are again at the end of another year. Yeah, unbelievable Steve. Uh... The years do fly by. It's an old saying, but it's a true one. And um, it seems like only yesterday that we were starting the, the beginning of 2022. But here we are now. 2023 is very close to the horizon. I, as you have probably done and as, as anyone listening would have to do, would have to actually go back maybe onto our website or through the podcast episodes to remember the huge magnitude of guests and the variety of guests that we've had again this year. So many different topics and so many different perspectives that we've brought to uh, the podcast this year. Yeah, it's been excellent. Like We really have hit on some great topics and we've had some amazing guests on as well. It's hard to know what we actually started off with in, in, in 2022, you know? Yeah, well, now you say it's difficult to remember how we started the year. I am cheating because I've got the webpage up in front of me here. I can tell you how we started. We, we did a sort of a predictions episode and then we jumped in to an episode which is is kind of one of the big topics obviously climate change sustainability all of those things have been huge discussion points for many years but over the last year we've covered them very much on uh, constructive voices and um, we spoke to Gilbert Lennox King about how to measure and offset embodied carbon and that that was kind of our first big episode of 2022 uh, and really sort of set an agenda there for talking about sustainability yeah well look we've been we've been speaking about this subject since Probably the very first time we we, we ever spoke, being honest, Steve, we've uh, we've been very aware of of the of the battle that we have um, going on at the moment, and uh, we're, we're obviously huge advocates of new ways to address these issues. And um, yeah, that was a super episode. How how people within within that industry are are really focusing in on on how to measure and how to empower companies. Uh, to be able to address this issue in in the correct way. One of the big standout things, and I think this one I haven't forgotten because it was the first time we met in person and we met so many great people and we were down on uh, Hove Seafront on the south coast of England enjoying a fantastic event, Footprint Plus. We talked to a lot of people there, Pete. Yeah, what what an amazing event that was. Not only did I get to meet you face-to-face, Steve, obviously, which was an amazing moment. (laughs) (laughs) Highlight of your career. Of my career without the shadow of doubt. No, but it was it was great to be in a room at an event where there was just so many people, like minded people, but also people coming from all different spectrums within the, within our industry. You know, it was a very educational uh, period of time for me. I, I got to listen in on so many uh, fantastic talks. We got to interview so many really really strong guests, and um, we made so many great connections uh, at Footprint Plus. So you know. It was it was a it was a it was a great event to be involved in. It was great to be there and great to to meet so many people face to face and and to get that kind of interaction going was amazing. But to to do it with such strong people and to have heard so many speakers and and listened to so many perspectives was it was it was amazing. It was really was probably one of the highlights of of my year. What was being at Footprint Plus. 
I'm Greg Clark and I'm chair of the Connected Places Catapult and the UK Cities Climate Investment Commission. So I'm Catherine Dewar from Historic England. I'm David Tombak. I'm Development Economics Director from Historic England. I'm Sophie Cole and I'm an architect at Mikhail Riches. My name's Paul Lincoln. I work for the Landscape Institute and I edit a magazine called Landscape, which is the Institute's quarterly journal. Hello, hi. I am Tim and I am from Cubot. Betty is the robot that's designed to insulate suspended timber floors. My name's Adrian Block. I've been working in the construction industry for 30 years. I'm Stuart McLaren. I'm the Net Zero Director for Infrastructure um, for SNC Lavalin. So my name is Josie Cadwallader-Hughes and I'm the Sustainability Director at FACOM. Councillor Sam Abagian. Um, I've been a councillor in Brighton Hope for three years. I have a background in the built environment. I'm a chartered town planner, a chartered surveyor. Hi, I'm Angela Crowther. I work as an Associate Director in Arab, looking after multidisciplinary design projects, um, typically big master plans. My name's Jason Horner. I'm from Hilsa Moran. Um, we're an environmental engineering design practice. My name is Mitakshi, uh, also known as Me Too. Uh, and I lead the sustainability team at Will & Partners. We're a multidisciplinary design team. We spoke to so many people at Footprint Plus, but although that was an event in the UK, we are a truly international podcast. We like to jump around the world, find out what's happening in the construction industry right across the globe, including Australia, with Alex Fernandez-Soncini from Procore. It's um, a lot more of a mature market, to be honest, and we've not had a lot of that mobile technology around when we first cracked in, so... You're dealing with a lot of paper-based processes and trying to digitize all of that, um, where you look at some of the other kind of Asian portions of our market, they've really come into life through the developing world through, you know, the mobile technology being around to utilize. And so they're already slightly in front of us in terms of what technology they're already using and not waiting for things to become available to them um, or trying to change manage out of very old archaic systems um, or even paper-based processes. Australia in particular, again, lag arts in terms of diversity. I think six in 10 builders saying that there's no need to improve female participation, which when you look at the stats in terms of the females that are participating in certain roles within the industry um, is pretty shocking, to be honest, in this day and age. But there is just a lot of shifting there. I think, you know, women hold only 12% of site manager roles in Australia and 17% in New Zealand. Uh, so quite, you know, quite lagging there as well compared with, you know, 28% in the Philippines. There's certainly more females entering construction market in those, especially those site-based roles um, in other nations across uh, APAC. We also found out about the state of the construction industry in Ireland with Scott Delaney of CIS Ireland. It's remained quite consistent in terms of the volume of, of new plans being lodged um, which I suppose shows that there is that continued sentiment there for investment and, and development. I suppose with the global recession, that was a real case of money uh, impacting our sector. Whereas I think COVID, for, for the most part, it, it was more restrictive in terms of obviously the, the lockdown we experienced here. Uh, and you'd know this better than anyone in terms of you know how we'd have to work then in, in enclosed spaces and all the new um, standard operating procedures that came in. Um, which I think at this stage, we, you know, maybe we've 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 got used to now. But I think in terms of the, you know, the, I think I do believe there is there is sentiment there. There is funds in place. That volume of of pipeline activity has has remained consistent. 
the volume of of obviously then your your planning approvals has has remained consistent in 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 Ireland as well but we've we've also seen some some backlogs when it comes to the likes of um appeals which which look I, I suppose would would be the same in any country if, if someone's not kind of happy with a, a planning decision close near them or 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 it'll impact their life they they can appeal but we've obviously seen a, a backlog in terms of some of these decisions getting getting made so planning has impacted uh, maybe progression and uh, and activity in terms of of the sector here but look ho- hopefully in in the coming 12 months you know planning will will get back on track decisions will be made in a timely manner so that you know projects can be can be pushed on and uh, and moved on site um you know the activity on the ground has remained steady enough as well as i spoke of you know the lockdown we experienced last year in that first quarter obviously saw this explosion then in in the second quarter of all these shovel ready sites finally being able to get going and, and and i think as well you know the the impact of material costs which you know is is probably seen across the globe um you know that really has impacted from hearing on the ground the likes of tender prices you know what was agreed at one stage uh, is now maybe potentially doubled and then obviously those durations have been pushed out so we're seeing a lot of projects maybe more so public go back to the drawing board um in terms of you know maybe the initial cost actually being far 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 greater than initially envisaged so that's having a, a i suppose an impact on some of the public sector projects more so but yeah, the, the materials, I, I believe, really, really impacted uh, and, and slowed down activity here. But I'm hopeful that, you know, by by early next year, that will have, have plateaued. Order books will be full. Deliveries of, of materials to site will be on time. And they'll obviously be of, of you know, a, a, a decent price for, for the contractor and, and obviously the developer so that sites can push on. Meanwhile, in the US, we spoke to Stack Construction Technologies Product Marketing Manager, Aaron Henderson. You know, it's a super exciting time to be in construction, right? Um, There's so many things that are happening. I think we really have uh, some young leaders who are coming up in the industry who are really pushing the evolution of technology, what we do, uh, who are really starting to understand the impact that it can have. We're we're seeing so many great things from uh, artificial intelligence and what that can do and, um, you know, how we can start to uh, design and see buildings in 3D, um, you know, way ahead of, uh, you know, actual construction. So yeah, I think we'll start to see more and more visualization. I think we'll start to see a lot of, you know, robotics are coming on really big. I know you guys did a, a great episode on robotics here not too long ago. Um, we're starting to see some of that and, and not necessarily in just replacing uh, jobs or anything like that, but but helping to supplement um, and, uh, you know, also some of those more difficult jobs or, or, you know, where safety becomes an issue, I think we'll start to see robotics play a big, um, uh, a big part there. Uh, and then I think, you know, prefabrication and, uh, and sustainability, you know, we've talked a lot about it and it's obviously a, a big topic within the industry, but, uh, I, I think we're going to see a lot more prefabrication coming up. Um, and I think we'll see a lot more offsite construction. And I think all the benefits that come along with that, both from an economic standpoint um, and from a sustainability standpoint, if we can kind of eliminate some of that waste, uh, if we can start to build things faster offsite, if we can get, um, uh, you know, materials where they need to be faster. You know, I think I think that's all going to going to play a big, big factor in what we do as an industry for sure. 
One of the other themes we often return to, Pete, is the challenge of attracting talent into the industry, particularly diverse talent. And for International Women's Day, we did a special episode, episode 25, with award-winning author Farah Naz. Now, she spoke to Henry MacDonald about various different aspects of women in the construction industry and touched on how we get women and, in fact, way before they're women, when they're very young girls, to start thinking, perhaps, about the construction industry as a career? I think it starts from home, and it starts from very early age. High school is too late. We really, as an industry, should start going to primary and uh, middle schools to actually having those conversations with the young children. I also think that our school system, our teachers also need support in having those conversations with their students. Um, I strongly feel that as an industry where we are working as architects, engineers, urban planners, we also have a role to play to support our teachers and our schools to go and spend that time and really speak to them about the leadership that they can play, especially we are in the middle of a climate emergency and all these professions have a very important role to play. So it's very important from an early stage in a children's education to start showing them the different sides and how impactful these professions are in making a positive change. Um, after high school and during pre-university, university level, I think mentorship and Internships are plays a very important role. Um, opening up those opportunities in our own companies makes a huge impact, a societal impact, and uh, actually creating and that environment of taking young adults and youths to show project sites and the influence we can make as human beings to our society and our culture. I think that's extremely, extremely important. So the sowing of the seed starts in a very early stage. And I think it's responsibility of us as a parents, us as construction experts working in the industry to actually support our school systems, our teachers, and opening up those internship opportunities for the young adults. And once they are graduated and there's an opportunity for them to then really bring them up in our graduate internship programs, it's a small little dots chain effects that connects with each other. And I think um, when all of us makes that conscious, active effort to undertake these different points that I just mentioned, I think it will really, truly make an impact. So great to hear Farah's perspective on that and so many other things. Episode 25 is our International Women's Day special. Pete, we spoke a lot this year about different aspects of people. Yeah, without the shadow of a doubt. Look, I'm a people person. I, I love uh, you know meeting new people. I love hearing lots of different perspectives. I love meeting people from all different aspects of, of our industry, but also from different parts of the world and, and listening to the different cultural differences and listening to the different approaches that people take all across the planet to getting solutions and, and, and to solving the problems that we have within our industry in particular. We've we've often spoke about this and, and it is something that we hugely support is you know, more women in construction and highlighting some of the, the ladies within construction that are doing such amazing work was, was, was a brilliant uh, episode that we had as well. It was, it was great to listen to the, to the ladies that we had on that and, and like the work that they're doing on the, the high level of expertise they have on all the different um, aspects that they themselves are bringing to, to their own work environment, but also then how that spreads out between 
all the different aspects of of construction so that was a really positive one and you know without the shadow without like we 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 need more women within construction and we need more women pushing and driving on uh, solutions to the challenges that we have so that was fantastic and we can't talk about people without talking about mental health they go hand in hand and it's a big topic not just in the construction industry but generally in society but you know it's perhaps been slightly difficult sometimes for the construction industry to talk about mental health but it's certainly something which we're talking about a lot more now Pete. you're dead right getting to hear people's stories getting to listen to to the, the real life experiences that people have had you cannot beat that it's it's literally you know the best knowledge you can you can attain is is, is speaking from speaking to someone who has uh, experienced something and, and listening to their perspective on it and you know all of these things are always quite complicated as well it's never a, a simple fix and there's always lots of different aspects going on so again we always approach these subjects we never shy away from them and it was super to uh to have been able to uh do that again with, with so many really really good guests Absolutely. And one of those guests is Charlie Wilson. He's the founder of the OK Positive app. There's a silent issue with mental health and particularly the stigma that comes with it, uh, particularly in the construction industry, mainly because people aren't open about this. Speaking about mental health traditionally has been very much portrayed as weakness. It's been portrayed as something that makes you open and vulnerable, potentially losing your job or not getting that promotion that you were hoping for and the more money that you're looking for. Um, so I think there's an underlying problem where people don't feel safe to open up, don't feel comfortable or know how to open up. Um, and that issue compounds itself. I started the business because of my own lived experience. I, I worked in um, for a FTSE listed recruitment business um, because some of the working operations, the pressure from management, the targets, the KPIs, uh, the stigma around mental health, I started to experience quite severe mental health issues, um, which led to me having three or four panic attacks a day, hiding away in the company toilets, playing on a video game on my phone to get myself out of it. And I realized I was costing the business money. I was realizing I was losing a quality of life. Um, I started to gain a lot of weight. I started drinking more alcohol. I became more of a grumpy person to be around. And I wanted to help myself um, because no one else really was going to do it for me at that time. We had uh, an employee assistance program that no one really touched. Um, because of the stigma and because of the cost implications, I wasn't going out with the employee assistance program. I wanted to spend my money on things like spending time with my friends and family, as opposed to uh, on therapy. Uh, I wanted to be able to understand more about myself uh, and my mental health and understand what makes me work and what makes me feel better, what makes me maintain my mental health. And I looked up loads of different tools and I realized that none of them actually did that. Um, there are three forms of mental health support in the world. There's preventative, proactive, and reactive. And 90% of the solutions in the world focus on being proactive or reactive to a problem without preventative. Um, and we want to be able to prevent these issues before they become too serious. And what better way than being able to safely, anonymously feed back to your company and, and, and get resources that are relevant to you at the times that you need them. So that's what, that's what led me to, to do this. And it's, it's become my life's passion. Now, Pete, we heard Charlie there mention that during his own mental health struggles, he drank too much. But drinking too much can become an addiction. And there are, of course, various other addictions. And more recently, 
we did an addiction special, a very, very powerful episode, and an amazing guy called Richard Price, who was really open and honest with us. And in his own words, you know, he he was taking a risk by telling his story, but telling his story was something he felt he had to do to help other people in his situation. I mean, what an incredibly powerful episode that was. My mental health seemed to calm down for a while, but unfortunately the drinking continued. And I drank every day for about five, six years, I think. And I thought I was doing it successfully, working in the construction industry. I was working in the offices um, as a technician. And um, I didn't really think I had a problem. You know, the people that I surrounded myself with, they drank quite heavily. And uh, I drank on a daily basis. I, I was the last person to see uh, how bad the problem was, which is the case with many addicts. They they often are quite deluded and think that there's no issue. Addiction will start to strip things away from your life. So people started to walk away from me. They started to walk away from wanting to be around me and, and, and that kind of thing. And I, and I lost jobs. Uh, I lost friends and I lost partners. And... Um, it was all down to, I would love to blame it on just the alcohol, but it, really it's down to my behavior. You know, it was unacceptable um, the way I was behaving when I was drinking heavily and um, everything just sort of spiraled out of control, really. That was something very, very special. And I think the word powerful that you've used there really does sum it up. Um, like Richard wasn't a chap that, that goes around, you know, doing public speaking all over the country and is, is like a polished person that's, you know, sort of reliving his his experience you know on a regular basis he came to us and and he you know had the confidence in in our platform to be one of his first opportunities to 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 really delve in deep into his uh into his problems and and the addiction issues that he faced again listening to those real life experiences and the problems and 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 the resolutions and and the hope and and the uh the 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 human part of of that story was just so so powerful again it was an honor and a privilege to to be able to have you know that kind of honesty and 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 that uh depth of of real just genuine genuinity that that, that came out that day was 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 exceptional what what a, what a powerful episode that really was and again you know we we will approach those subjects we we, are, we never shy away from those kind of situations, and we definitely will be bringing something similar to to to, uh, to our listeners again in 2023. Yeah, and 2023 is going to be an interesting one for us because we're we're sort of moving up a gear, aren't we? With uh, obviously still the podcast episodes every month. Uh, but also we have lots of events, lots of roundtable discussions, lots of experts on key topics throughout the year. It's going to be perhaps a more structured year for us here at Constructive Voices and uh, and where we, as I say, move the conversation on. We always say the conversation's building, uh, you know, and it certainly is for 2023. Some exciting stuff ahead, Pete. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's great to have that, that bit of structure and that focus going forward. Um, again, you know, big thanks to, to, to Jackie in the background that does so much work for us um you know and yourself steve as well so that we've got a very strong team 
and we obviously have Henry uh, as well that that works with us and lots of other people that we bring in and um, we don't rest on our laurels we, we we always try and improve and that's what we're going to do this year we're going to bring some great structure we're going to bring some great events we're going to get some great people together and we're going to keep on asking those tough questions and and, and trying to get the answers to uh the problems within our industry and and even a bit beyond our industry too january is Constructive Voices Biodiversity Month. The rules about how green spaces are looked after are changing. In a series of podcasts, articles, social media conversations and an exclusive roundtable event featuring biodiversity experts. You can put biodiversity on people's doorsteps for them to enjoy and it will have biodiversity values. We'll explore what biodiversity means for the construction industry and how what we do in the built environment plays a key role in our natural world. Everything we do through the construction industry and within redline developments can all be part of the solution. Hear more from our experts by following or subscribing to the Constructive Voices podcast on your favourite podcast app, connecting with us on social media and visiting constructive-voices.com. We at some point all have a responsibility and a benefit from biodiversity. Biodiversity Month, this January, from Constructive Voices. The conversation is building. This is Constructive Voices. One of the uh, big topics this year, not just in the construction industry, but worldwide, was COP27. Uh, obviously, building on COP26 that happened in the UK. This time, uh, the world's leaders and, and, and the big names in finance and from every industry, pretty much, were focused on Egypt. And we did an episode getting the reaction of people in the construction industry. Um, about what they thought. I suppose there was a lot of expectation that we were going to have some changes within our industry um, out of, of COP27. Maybe not, not as many changes as we expected uh, came to fruition, but certainly there's there's been a lead in into potential changes that we're going all going to have to make um, in the near future. So again, we got some great insight in, into what what the what the top people in our industry. Uh, feel about that so that was that was great Matthew Black from the World Green Building Council was one of the the key people on that COP27 episode program coordinator for the World Green Building Council's global advancing net zero program I think it's very clear that it's been a bit of a mixed result there are obviously some clear disappointment and and that shouldn't be dismissed Uh, and and it really it just shows that we need to keep the pressure up for ever increasing action on climate but that's not to say that there aren't some positives to take away Um, I think the main headline is the agreement to develop a global fund for loss and damage providing financial assistance to poorer nations who are usually the most affected by the climate crisis uh, at this current time Um, And just for a bit of context, you know, loss and damage refers to um, those severe impacts of extreme weather on physical and social infrastructure in these countries. And really, it's it's related to the financial assistance that's needed to combat this moving forwards. Now, we don't really know, um, probably until COP28 next year on the on the details of how this fund will work, what the level of funding it will receive, um, etc. So there's still work to be done. But the fact that this now exists at least recognizes uh, the necessity of, of, of such a fund moving forward. Post the, the negotiations that, that concluded over the weekend, we're, we're hearing a lot of concern around the action on reducing emissions, on, on, on tackling carbon emissions and 
therefore the, the goal of limiting heating to, to 1.5 degrees. Um, as we look towards COP28 and, and the global stock take that will happen next year, we want to see mitigation and adaptation of potential new buildings to be much more strongly considered. But in terms of what we saw at COP27, I think we can be much clearer and positive in terms of our assessment related to the built environment. Constructive Voices, the podcast for the construction people. Conservation of heritage buildings is another recurring theme on Constructive Voices. And in our most recent episode, apart from this one, we talked about one of the world's most iconic buildings, the Palace of Westminster, the UK's Houses of Parliament, and an incredible, eye-watering amount of disrepair with just some horrendous conditions that politicians have to work in. And Ian Paisley Jr. MP told us just how horrific it is. If we are not careful, the United Kingdom is going to have its Notre Dame moment. That parliament is going to burn to the ground. You have to have a crew of four men walk that building constantly, 24 hours a day, uh, seven days a week, three, six, five days a year, and they spot fires, fire hazards, and put them out. Um, and we're working in that building. The actual sewage system is so ancient so it's constantly breaking down. So from time to time, there are elaborate smells in the Palace of Westminster, which do not emanate from the Thames, which everyone thought they did, but actually emanate at times from what's happening in the basement of that building. There's also uh, a number of uh, ventilated shafts in the building, which instead of being allowed to remain as cool air-drying shafts, have been filled with wires and cabling and satellite material. And they've been put down shafts that are now got potential asbestos issues within them. It's a building that we want protected. It's a building that's been around for a long, long time and we want it to continue to be around for a long, long time. Pete, it's such a big project. I have quite a lot of experience of working in, in, in that type of building. So I found that episode so interesting and I, I was nodding my head and listening on. I absolutely can see how that would happen. Um, you know, you're taking these iconic old buildings and then you're using them for so long. And what can happen an awful lot of the time is they're kind of, they, they get well represented or well looked after on the outside, but on the inside, there can be quite a lot of problems. And again, you know, it was discussed in the episode, you've got basically, you know, cables that are, are pulled through systems that should be in air ducts. And then there's new cabling then gets put on top of that and new cabling gets put on top of that. And before you know it, there's literally, you know, there could be, 60 years of, of cabling stuffed into one very small area. And, of course, you've got fire issues. You've got lots of stuff, uh, you know, lo- lo- lots of different um, construction uh, technology has changed um, and, and just general technology has changed over the years that the old buildings are struggling to keep up. So sometimes the grass is always greener on the other side. Um, it's, it's Sometimes it's very interesting to hear the reality of, of you know, what it can be like to uh, to work within uh, some of these very iconic buildings, but um, you know they, they, those buildings do take a lot of love and care to, to keep them um, you know in a condition that is, is suitable for uh, their function, and uh, it can be very difficult to do that because obviously you have to start shutting down buildings and, and doing all those type of of unwanted uh, of, of of unwanted kind of disruptions to to the everyday life of a building. So you know what, great insight. Yeah, absolutely. Well, with all your normal construction work, the work on constructive voices, your your television work as well, 
I'm going to suggest that you could probably still find time if anyone from the Palace of Westminster authorities is listening and they're thinking, we, you know, we should, maybe we should get this guy. <laughs> well, back. absolutely. I've got my construction company is is uh, thankfully very busy at the moment and, and I've got some great projects uh, ahead and we're taking on lots of different projects going forward. I've got the new series of Home Rescue as well, which we're currently recording will be will be on telly next year. So lots of lots of good stuff on the go and and again i'm i'm a very proactive person and i, and I like to keep things moving um in, in a positive way and that's why it's it's such a it's such a great part of of my everyday uh life is is being part of constructive voices because of the positive stuff that we do and and the way that we address these important issues and, and give people the opportunity to, to voice their opinions and, and to talk through these subjects. So I'm going to be busy, but I've still got time for, for you know, talking the good talk and fighting the good fight that we do here. Absolutely brilliant. Well, look, Pete, it's been great fun again this year and uh, we're looking forward to 2023. So happy Christmas to you and the family and uh, a happy new year to you as well. Cheers, Dave. Thank you very much. And I uh, really look forward to working with you in the new year and uh, obviously tackling all those really really uh, good topics and, and getting that positive talk on that we always do it's been a pleasure working with you this year I can't wait for next year and that's all for this episode of Constructive Voices please take a moment to share it with others who may find it interesting follow or subscribe to get the latest episodes automatically on your favourite podcast app and rate and review the podcast if you can you can also listen to the latest episode by saying Alexa play Constructive Voices podcast here's Constructive Voices here's the latest episode and on our website where there's lots more information too. That's constructive-voices.com. Don't forget the dash. Until next time, thanks for listening. You're really helping us build something. Something.